Today's show is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash bcpod and using the promo code bcpod. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. How's it going, Dillweeds? Dillweeds is an insult used by Beavis and Butthead. Also, it's derogatory and uh, kind of describes an irrational or a dumb person, maybe somebody of low intellect. Uh, but to me, I think of dill as the herb, the thing you'd find in your spice rack. It goes on pork. Uh, use it to make dill pickles. So that's maybe like calling somebody a cilantro weed or an oregano weed. But also, I found online where dill weed could mean a pubic hair, as in the dill being a slang for penis and the weed being a slang for the pubic hair. So take it as you would like. You're either pubic hair or something from a spice garden if you're a dill weed. I want to thank everybody for checking out, downloading, and subscribing to the Free Sex Podcast. That is going super well. People love it. I think it's helping a lot of people. Check that out if you haven't. And thank you, everybody, for the wonderful feedback on Break It Down Podcast. And I've just started doing I had Tim from Under Oath on there recently. You can find both of those on badchristian.com as well as the Bad Christian Podcast. And you guys already have been supporting that wonderfully. The BC Club is massive. It's growing. It's helped us to launch those other shows, to do more stuff that we're going to do. We're going to be releasing some books soon, some other written things, some other audio stuff. Uh, we got a bunch going. You're helping to support great music. We have new music releases that are going to be coming out. So many people have done that. If you want to join the BC Club, there's a lot of perks. There's a lot of stuff you get. That's how we support ourselves. Badchristian.com forward slash contribute. We really can use and we really do use the money that you decide to pay for this show. Additionally, leave a rating on iTunes. Tell a friend. We appreciate it. Thank you from Matt, Toby, and Joey. Hit it, guys. In the words of Bill O'Reilly, f*** it. We'll do, do it live. Three, two, one. Next time I fall Next time in love, love, I'll know better what to it's the Bad Christian Podcast. All right. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. We got some, uh, what do we got? Emory dates on, on sale. We got uh, shows. We got out with ACB. We're doing the West Coast with As Cities Burn. Um, go to emoryvip.com. You can catch us on that. Yeah, yeah. We'll be, we got a little, two more weeks yeah. before we go out on the road, so enjoy hey, it. you guys keep... Do you guys keep your tour dates on the BC app that a lot of people need to download? Or is that information on there? Or no, not it's not. You go to emorymusic.com forward slash VIP. But no, it's not okay. on the BC hey. app. But there's a lot of good stuff on that BC app, so you should get it too. Can I take a second just to talk about audio? I believe that, no. our, that our intro was maybe unbelievably distorted. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to roll with it. Yeah, hey, people, roll with it. people have already heard it now. Now, distortion and, in audio. Audio comes off as aggression, basically. I so that, hope that'll translate. I, I might be wrong. It might be. Here's the deal, man. I want to tell you because Joey cannot understand anything. Joey, you understand <laughs> red, red, right? Yeah, red. yeah. It's like bleeding over, right? But Matt, my uh, meter showed that while Joey was singing and we were rapping and doing the intro, mm -hmm. it was all in red, <laughs> right? <laughs> So it was all really gained out crazy. So that could have been terrible. It might be awesome. Uh, you you are an amazing engineer, so you might fix world it. Class. But world class. Now, Matt, you're somewhat of a perfectionist with the production and all that stuff. 
have we reached a professional level with audio? Because I listen to other podcasts now a little bit. Y'all oh. like that? Y'all like that? <laughs> you, <laughs> you, dog. you actually listen to other podcasts? A little bit. Like what? Uh, like <laughs> free sex. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have I've Have you listened to Free Sex a few times? I've listened to an episode and a half. I actually really like I really like uh Mark Solomon's uh podcast. Yep. Yeah, um, never was. Never was. Yeah. A lot of the guests are super interesting to me. Um I still want to check out Billy Powers. Um I, I like a this lot is of the called Urban by the way. Yeah. He's got cereal on the dock and <laughs> No, I, I've listened. Know what that I've, means. I've listened. No, yes, I do. I've listened to the Robcast once, and then I, I'm a big uh, Chuck Missler fan. He's into uh, all the alien stuff and the Bible and oh, I didn't know that was a podcast. UFO, that dude. Actually, oh I, my gosh, I there's like a the- there's a Q and A. It will blow. You. I mean, <laughs> oh my lord. There's a Chuck Missler podcast. Oh the gosh. only way I know Chuck Missler is you and your brother Jared. I mean, I would have never have heard of him in my life. Dude, this guy talks about how there's like such a demonic presence on this earth right now that it's always been waging war with sexual reproduction <laughs> and the Nephilim. Why are demons and, oh, always my. so involved with sexual stuff? Because the, exactly that that is actually the crux of, of all of this is that <laughs> from the beginning of time, they've tried to mess with God's creation by getting into. Why else would God have sent a flood to wipe but everything why do out? Demons care about boning. Straight boning. No, well, no. first it's fun. So yep, you're saying so this fun. guy's boning thing it, says hey, that boning is fun. This guy's thing says that that genetically demons are trying to mess with the human race. Yeah, that's like and, in and the DNA. You're right. And they, su- they the succeeded. The DNA stands for demon. They succeeded with the Nephilim. <laughs> and they're <Demonic>. also. <laughs> what? Man, Demonic. What, what, what does DNA stand for? Deoxyribose nucleic acid. <laughs> <laughs> so demonic, demonic nucleic, nucleic acid is what DNA stands for. <laughs> you mean you're telling me there's a chance I have demonic nucleic acid yeah, yeah, in my that's genes? Right. That's right. There's a good chance. And that's what the flood was about wiping out wiping out those demon genes off the earth. Demon genes. Golly. I think I think I have I have those. Yeah. They're in there. What what is that called? The uh, what's the DNA? The uh, the spiral thing. What is that actually called? Chromosome? Double helix. No, it's the helix. Double helix. I have that in my double helix. I have a demonic double helix. Matt, you know what Toby discovered the other day? We we had a a, a staff fun day. Uh, we're encouraged to take our staffs out and have a fun day, and we actually went to go see uh, Jurassic World. Yep, so we, we sure did. did. We did that on the clock, and Toby discovered that he does not like watching movies in the movie theater. It was it was so depressing, Matt, because um, you know on our last tour we went and saw uh, Mad Max, right? Right. Okay. And then, so, this was our fun day, and I was like, ooh, Jurassic World, I'll go see the movie. Well, Mad Max was 3D. I was like, ah, maybe it's just the 3D. Nope, this was a normal movie without 3D, and we went and saw Jurassic World, and I just didn't enjoy it. It was just so, there was no way to stop it. I, I, <laughs> you couldn't, couldn't pause, pause it. it. There was no pausing. You couldn't I, watch the rest tomorrow because you fell asleep. I held my pee. I held it. And I just thought, this is sucks. If I was watching this at my house, I would probably way more enjoy it. But just having to go and be forced, no matter what, <laughs> not to leave a movie theater, 
it was awful. I just I just didn't really even enjoy. It. I was like, okay. I mean, the movie maybe was even great or and good. I had, and I had the same discovery yesterday. Uh, me, my family, and Toby's family, and some other friends got together and swam <laughs> at Toby's pool. And Toby was talking about his revel, uh, revelation with not liking theaters, and I was like, I feel the same way about pools. I said, <laughs> I like seeing my family have fun. Well, but at least after you can a pee in minutes, the pool. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I was just like, after a few minutes, I'm thinking. I'm just in water. Yeah. That's it. Like, this isn't... And I was like, is this just old age? But I never have thought it was just unbelievable to be in a pool. Like, to me, it's just, okay, you're in water Even now. when you were little? I guess when I was little, but I, high like school... Like, now, I don't it's just know. like you're just there, and that's just... Yeah, like, I'm glad I can throw my kids up in there, and they're having a great time, but... Yeah, right. well, guys, I'd rather I, relax outside the pool reading a book or listening to. I a hope y'all are having a good time on whatever this uh, tangent is, wrong. But I, shut you, up, Matt. But shut seriously, up. man, this is shut the, this, up, you're a Matt. Doofus. Seriously, Matt, you're, shut. We you're, shut up. You're stupid and we, ugly. This is the first episode <laughs> where we actually wrote down some things that we were going to talk about and wrote a schedule out for stuff like that. And you, you guys don't know it, but we've already gone ten minutes and you haven't even got to number one yet. Okay, well, let's be really like regimented. We had Number one. Number so, one, Matt is a dumbass. Let's talk about how many ways Matt is a dumbass. He's stupid. He's a nerd. you have a sheet in front he's, of you? He makes me sick. His skin is ugly. Hey, the first, the, first time I, the first time I ever met Matt, he was at a party and he had already drank too much, and he knew that me and Toby were like Devin's Christian friends, and he was just like, I promise I don't, I don't ever get drunk, man. It's like my first time, man. I promise. I, this isn't me. It's really isn't me, guys. I effing promise. F that S. And then the first time I met Seth was the same night. Seth was passed out, totally wasted, I know, drunk. Wasted. Yeah, I was like, I was like, these, these guys in Devin's band. But what does man, that say about you? Up. Because you were like, yeah, years later, I should start a podcast for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> First time I met Matt, we were playing home run derby in a apartment like common. Is this area on or the sheet? And is this in the show notes? I promise you, when I met Matt, the first thing I thought about him was, no matter what, I will never like that guy. I hope I never see him again. (laughs) (laughs) I promise you. I thought, I hope I never see him again. The friends that I came here with, I cannot believe they like him. That guy sucks. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are doing a podcast. Hey, listen to what someone actually asked me about the podcast. Still, you're not going to get to the note? You're still not going to get into the episode plan? shut the fuck up. Well, just let me know. Should we abandon it entirely? Because I mean, you're on a roll. I'm fine with it. But let's, you know. We got to do something. I, I tell you what, Toby and I don't want to do is keep talking about it. We just want to talk. <sighs> all right. Yeah. Um, so I'm basically, deleting all some, the show notes. So, keep on with the memories. Oh, sorry, we're having fun, and Doctor <laughs> Dickhead has to uh, control us. Oh, we're not following the show notes. <laughs> Shut up, bitch! <laughs> you make me sick. Literally, I'm vomiting in my mouth right now. Go ahead, Joey. I love you. Well, so, no, I've got so the note someone, here, Toby. This is what you want to talk about. It says Toby Dash. Bad stuff you've given to your kids. So hit it. <laughs> oh Lord, Joey. Well, let me let me Go say ahead, this. Joey. Let me say this first. So this is a tough Joey, one. Joey, have you lost weight? You look great. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Matt uh, found it. I didn't lose any weight down there. Yeah, but. I know what you mean by that. <laughs> you have a huge schlong. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, I love that you have a massive schlong. I love having a friend with just a giant one. (laughs) Brett, beat that out. (laughs) 
do? Dude. They're all messy. <laughs> Go ahead, Joey. <laughs> I could tell you some funny penis oh, stories. Oh, I know man. you could, my friend. <laughs> um, this is a tough one for me. So there's people that have listened to this podcast. I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that know me that I don't even know that they've heard it, and they probably think crazy things about me now, and that just comes with the territory. But there's people that I've actually talked to that have listened to this podcast, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how can my mind work so fundamentally different with another brother in Christ? So here's the question that I got. I actually got a question saying, hey, what? You admitted to looking at porn. Yep. Like, you guys do that. You did that, uh, you know, accountability software. Matt and Toby asked you about how you've been doing, and you said that you had messed up one time. What are you going to do when your son grows up, and he's struggling with the same thing, and he hears his dad admitting that he struggled with it? What are you going to do when he hears that? And I seriously, I didn't even know how to answer it. Because I was just like, <laughs> uh, I never thought about that possibility that our children or other people could hear what the things we've said. Yeah. So Good I mean, point. my response what my response was, well, I, I'm going to be te- I'm going to be having an open conversation with him. I, I'm yeah. if he hears it on the podcast, well, that's fine. But he's probably going to hear it from me first. And I tried to explain it this way. I said, look, if my son is motivated not to look at porn because his dad doesn't look at porn, well, first of all, that is faulty motivation because dad will mess up. So that's not a good measuring stick for him. Secondly, that's not motivation enough. Because dad doesn't, I'm not going to either. No, it's got to be something inside of him, which I would say is Jesus, that keeps him wanting and desiring more of Jesus and less of stuff that tears him apart. But I just couldn't believe that well, mentality. I mean, what, 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 what would the response, I would have, I would have looked back and just said, well, why would that, why, who will be the problem? Like, if you put it back to him, what does he say? What's the reason why he thinks that should be a concern? I think because that mentality operates by saying, well, then, then my son is just going to say, well, dad does it. I'll do it too. Yeah. I mean, why would I try to be better than dad? I look up to dad. So I'll do it too. Well, and, I, uh, I said this last week, but the, the sexual uh, acting out things that humans do are not largely caused by observations of other people. There is a very right, yeah. internal reason that causes you to look at porn. It's not because you saw somebody else did it. That's, that's not right. one of the reasons why. It's because you're dying to look at it. I mean, you want to. That's <laughs> internally you want to. All right. So let, let's let's address this though. All of us uh, combined have eight kids. Mm-hmm. What we have a hundred uh, and one or a hundred and two or so episodes out on iTunes right now. And as our kids grow up, they all know that we record podcasts. So at some point, they're going to say, "Hey, I want to listen to these podcasts." Well, at what age are you guys fine with that? I don't. I don't know. I don't really know even how you're going to filter it. I mean, at some point, Rosa's just going to have listened to it. I don't know if you can even stop her, yeah. period. Right. Don't you think? I, I just think that there, yeah, there are certain things that maybe mainstream church sees that kids need to be protected from that I don't feel that way. And to me, it's like, can't you just look at the history of youth groups and how ineffective they've been in the past and realize we've got to do something right. different? 
And so if that means me, I mean, William's got a way better shot at not at not wanting to do porn by knowing that his dad messes up and is trying and having his eyes focused on Jesus than for me to pretend like I'm this great guy that never struggles. Well, the, I mean, he's got a way the better kid shot. question's weird. I mean, this might not exactly be where you're going, but you're there's um, the more I think about it, there isn't. There's probably actually no way that you're going to be able to control. It used to be like, oh, my kid's not allowed to watch The Simpsons. Right, that's right. what people were saying when I was little. They say he's not allowed to watch The Simpsons. It comes on seven thirty on Fox, so we will not be having the TV right. on then. Right, but there's really no way. I mean, you could say, yeah, you don't let Rosa watch HBO <laughs> shows at home right now. Okay, fine, but to some degree, with her being out of the house and technology and those other things, what she's allowed to do and not allowed to do theoretically from your brain is not enforceable in any way it just isn't there's yeah. in fact you'd almost have to take a strategy of how do you want to deal with your kids assuming that there that there is there's nothing that they're just allowed to see or not see because there's you cannot control it like there's no way to yeah. even as a parent to stop a 13 yeah. year old from listening to a podcast absolutely yeah, and impossible I'm, you're right i mean there's no it, technology it, solution is going to come anything. along for that it won't be about that Think of another well, I mean, way. Also, even even what you're talking about is, I mean, they can watch anything immediately, no matter what. Like, if you say, "Hey, don't watch this show," they can go to their computer and watch it now. Right. It might be illegal right. or whatever, or, or not sanctioned. Right. You're not but, gonna. I mean, it's not a matter anything, what they're so allowed to do and not allowed right. to do. You're gonna have to find better. So, with, with that being that. said, what I would say is, if all information is available, wouldn't you want to hear it from your parent? Of course. And wouldn't you want to hear the truth from your parent that, hey, listen. This is what I did, and these were the consequences. Like, I mean, I, here, here's the thing. At no no point would you ever say, hey, looking at porn benefited me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, looking at porn has <laughs> never benefited anybody except for uh, for coming, but not, not for uh, growing a relationship, becoming a better adult, uh, loving people or anything. It, it didn't do that. It was only self-gratification. And so why wouldn't you want your kid to know, hey, listen, I did this. It's not good. Right. So let, let's let's go youth group here. What if all youth pastors and all volunteers that work under youth pastors all of a sudden just turned the corner and said, you know what? We're going to be totally transparent. We're going to share the struggles that we're having. We're going to put ourselves in a place to where, yeah, you know what? We want to tell you guys and try to guide you, but we also want you to realize that we're right there with you as far as the yeah. struggling. Oh, yeah, and maybe uh, a youth pastor says shit sometimes in his sermon. There's some people that think that's the end of the world. All of a sudden, those kids, they're just going to fall off the deep end. You're not raising them up. And They'll to me, it's just... cussing and it'll go Right, and to me, it's like something worse. drastic has to happen. Oh, it's the I mean, notion there's got to be of gateway something different. Drug, gateway sin. Like, you let that go, gateway it's cussing. wide open. I mean, to me, well, and, and I, the cussing thing is just a different category because of, of just how three, the three of us just fundamentally don't well, even see well, it here's as an the issue. Thing. Cussing... For Christians means if I don't do it, that separates me from the world. Right. So I can prove to you that I'm different. Right. And yeah. that's what I used to say. I used to not cuss because I like thought, it's a witness. Yeah. It's your exactly. witness. Hey, I don't cuss because that's bad. And look right. at me, God's changed me. Right. And now I realize that God has changed me and that my language that I use for me is the language that I use, right. r regardless. And and that is very human. Well, you use some colorful you know I mean? language, my friend. Don't, but don't you think you do have to face the possibility, though? Like, there, I mean, 
I mean, your daughters are going to hear this podcast in a, just a few years. You're going to be embarrassed yeah. about sillier stuff than the, the porn thing. Oh, like, yeah. Think about but, just, but, just the jokes But how awesome stuff. is that that I get to be embarrassed with my daughters yeah. right. and, and have to face that. that? That's way better than me going, them thinking that I didn't do anything bad. Yeah. Because guess what? They're going to do bad stuff. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest lie in the whole world is that if you don't, if you, as long as you keep stuff that you did bad from your kids, they won't do it. Oh, yeah. They'll do it, and they'll do it worse because you didn't even face it. Like, my parents did some seriously messed up shit, and I did it all and even worse because they never talked to me about it. That's yeah. the truth. My parents, all the things that they did, I did worse, and... And they, kept they never talked to me about so it. So that didn't work. Yeah, they hid it, it from It probably me. causes so, it. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, I actually even kind of believe in sins of the father, sins of the son, that generational sin that things are passed down to you. and, and it have, I mean, that is crazy. You, Your parents had sex outside of marriage. You have sex outside of marriage. Uh, somebody gets pregnant, you get pregnant. You, uh, you did this, They did this, you do this. I, I actually kind of think that happens. And you can even look at look at that take god out of it psychologically because you're intentionally hiding that and forcing people to away from that it pushes your kids towards that so ike is going to go off on pastor's boy <laughs> i think ike is going to have a very bad ike is going to have a pretty bad sexual problem <laughs> i'm i'm actually worried about that uh, i'm actually worried that my fuck i'm actually worried that the things that i messed up on are going to cause him to sin. I hate that. Don't you think you should pray against that? that? Don't you think there's probably some validity I should pray to praying against, against yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, praying against it for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're, I I agree with that. For he sure. does have a boner all the time, but but it doesn't matter. The number one thing I realize is prayer. Oh, you just said prayer, prayer doesn't matter. Prayer is awesome. A lot of bad stuff happens. That people are praying for yeah. against. So I've been listening to some atheist podcasts. Oh, damn. <laughs> So I'm and, not a Christian anymore. No, I'm fully a Christian. And in fact, I almost think it makes me more a Christian and believing in Christ and needing a Savior. But I'm questioning a lot of things right now because guess what? What, Toby? I'm guessing. What? The American church only gives you one side. And they never go, yeah, this, we don't know. This might. This is really crazy here. And we don't have any answer for you. And it could be wrong or something. Like, they don't do that. They go, oh, yeah, you know, but this guy said this, this guy said this. Hey, actually, here, it, whenever they say we don't know, it's always some cliche thing. Like, yeah. I, and I really, I, I actually almost think that every church in America should have an atheist on staff. It <laughs> just gives you at least the devil's advocate point. Yeah. Like, I, I've been thinking about that more and more. Like, if Jesus is true, and God is true, and Jesus is real, and God is real, and religion is real, and uh, uh, theism is real, it should be able to stand up to anybody, right. uh, much less a human. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 that, that shouldn't be a question. So why are we so scared to have that? But anyway, th I just wanted to explain that for a minute because that's why I'm kind of questioning a bunch of stuff. Well, you and brought up a good point when our church was going through the teaching series uh, A.D., and using that TV series to go through actual yep. sermons. And a lot of churches do this. When they will show a clip of something, they'll say, hey, you know, by the way, they took some liberties here with, and it's almost like, oh, we got to make sure you guys realize that we don't think this is completely right. accurate. And it's like, okay, I mean. Yeah, we'll, we'll show it to you, and the AD series is awesome, but we don't fully endorse it because they took some liberties. And I'm just like, well, just don't use it at all then. 
But anyway, Matt, have we lost you completely? No, I'm not technically, just in spirit. <laughs> you, oh, so you're kind of down right now. <laughs> no, I'm just, I was listening to your point about the Atheist Podcast, and now we're just off, but I'm interested. Well, I I really believe, and I'm just going to be, you know what, guys, can I be honest for a minute? I hope this podcast is all about honesty. I have been thinking through lately, I'm a father of three, and what am I going to lead my family to actually hear? And if it's one side and there is no actual uh, opposition that they ever get to hear, then of course they're only going to believe the one side. So I believe fully so much in Jesus that any opposition that comes up against him, I want my kids to hear it because Jesus is real. And he's true. I want my kids to have a broad uh, stance on what their faith is as opposed to a one-sided argument. Because when that happens, they are not prepared for the rest of the world, which has great arguments. Mm -hmm. So what I hope to achieve is I would love to go to a church where an atheist is on staff and he says, okay, Pastor Steve preached this last week. This week, I just want to tell you guys, here's how I would refute that. Dang, that's 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 actually pretty compelling, man. I mean, that would be yeah. wouldn't that be amazing? Where and you know why? Because everybody sitting in that congregation, everybody in that audience would go, I gotta go fact check that. Because yeah. that guy makes me think that there might not be a God. And then you would own your faith. Yeah. Then you I would like take con full control of your faith, and I think that would be amazing. But they would never do that because it's too scary. Right. They go, well, but yeah, what that's what I'm saying. So you're not worried about you're not worried about your kids listening to atheist podcasts or hearing evolution in schools or whatever. No. That so you're not Jesus about is it. real. Yeah, that's what everybody's saying. Jesus is real. I mean, so what am I worried about that he's not? No, I'm not worried about that at all. If you are, that's something with you. Me, I'm full. I'm fully on board with Christ. And the world needing him, and that is true. So they can listen. My kids, I hope, listen to everything and realize, oh, yeah, that was right. Right. But if they see an atheist or hear about uh, the Big Bang or know that somebody else in their class has two mommies, then it's all over. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's it. That's the. That's I want to I wanna believe 100% or agree 100%, but there does seem to be a biblical precedence for, hey, um, remember what you've been, remember the things that you've been brought up with or focus on truth or, uh, you know. Well, but atheists are full of truth. That's the thing. That's, that's exactly right. Focus on truth. Atheists and scientists have a shitload of truth that is awesome, yeah. but not 100%. Right. They might be wrong about, oh, yeah, maybe one thing. And, yeah. They're and right about 99 out of 100 what things, we believe probably. about God. Yeah. That's the thing. If atheists... Atheist truth is real and valid. It should not, and we should search and figure out why it's not contradictory to Jesus. Well, Toby, I won't tell anybody at our church, can you become our atheist on staff? I already am. <laughs> I, I didn't want to tell you, but I am, actually. So Satan rules. Well, <laughs> and, oh. No, they're all, maybe, you, maybe I shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> if you're an atheist, I don't think you would say Satan rules. You don't <laughs> believe rules. in the supernatural. All right, well, we got C.J. Mahaney uh, waiting on no, the other don't. line. No, we don't. Yeah, who do we got? C.J. Mahaney. C.J. Mahaney on, canceled. Joey. What? He What's canceled. His oh, public, he, canceled. Yeah, he didn't know. <laughs> we, we had words for him. <laughs> he was on hold, and then he listened to last week's podcast to catch up. Then he canceled. So we, instead, we have Jamie, from the founder of To Write Love on Her Arms. The, Woo! All right, let me tell you all about how I sleep. 
mat. I sleep on a Casper mattress. I sleep on it in my house. I love it. My wife and I both sleep on it, not just me. We do sleep in the same bed. It's a king-size bed, and it's my favorite mattress that I've ever had. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Mattresses can often cost over 1500 bucks, but with Casper... A twin size mattress is $500 and a king size is $950. So Casper understands that buying a mattress online can have you wondering how all this is possible. Well, here's the deal, people. Basically, the mattress industry does this thing where they have resellers and showroom and all this overhead, and Casper cuts that all out now that we have online stuff that you can buy directly from them. It comes straight to your door. It's risk-free. They cut the cost of the middleman. And the best part is they have free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. That means you pay nothing if you get this thing shipped all the way to your house, sleep on it for 90 days, don't like it. They'll even pay to have it shipped back. It's that simple. So statistically, I mean, think about it. You're lying on a bed for like four minutes in a showroom. That has nothing to do with whether or not you'll sleep good on it. This way, it's better than going to see a mattress in person. Get it in your house, sleep on it, and then you decide if you like it. But I think you will because it's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's got just the right sink, just the right bounce. The two technologies, the memory foam and the latex combine for better night's sleep and brighter days. Here's the best part. You get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash bcpod and using the promo code bcpod again that's casper.com forward slash bcpod do it today all right the next thing is huge news after 17 years refused are back this is absolutely one of my favorite bands and a thrill to be able to do an ad for them on our podcast. I never dreamed this even would really happen. In fact, I never thought I'd get to see the band, but I actually got to see them in Seattle at a famous club and a small club, and it was sold out, and believe it or not, I was on the guest list. So I'm totally thrilled about all this refuse stuff. So we're going to listen to a whole brand new track from them right now called Electra.
Uh, that song was called Electra by Refused. Their brand new album, Freedom, is in stores now, and you can catch them on tour in the U.S. and Canada from July 30th to August 7th with Faith No More. So make sure you visit officialrefuse.com to pick up this record and find out when they're coming to a city near you. So, Jamie, I'm sure you do the, the story of your organization. I'm sure you do it hundreds of times every time you do press and everything. And I'd like to do more conversation on this podcast today. But just for our listeners who, who may not be familiar with Right Love on Arms or the T-shirts, can you tell us, how, like you said, the humble beginning, trying to help a friend? I've heard this story before, but could you give us a, a quick uh, view of what that, what that story is? Sure. So in 2006, I was working as a sales rep for Hurley, which is a clothing brand that you know a lot of your audience would be familiar with. And I was their sales rep for the state of Florida. I, I thought that was a job I was going to do for a long time. That was kind of the sort of job I grew up dreaming about. And I was renting a room from a friend named David in Orlando. And through David, I met his friend, Renee. And Renee was struggling with depression, with drug addiction, self-injury. She had attempted suicide. And the story that I wrote called To Write Love in Arms was basically about the five days that my friends and I spent with Renee after she was denied entry into a local treatment center. And, uh, and you know, after a little while, we realized that the treatment center was, you know, the treatment was going to cost money and she didn't have much money. Her family didn't have money. And so there was this simple idea to make and sell T-shirts as a way to help, you know, just to help pay those bills. And uh, I made a MySpace page. This was 2006, so it was kind of the moment of social media, specifically MySpace. And it was basically a, a perfect storm. The, through the MySpace, through the support of bands, specifically it was Switchfoot, Amber Lynn, Paramore early on. Um, the thing just spread really quickly. The story, the T-shirts kind of took on a life of their own. And, and really the heart of the matter was that we just started to hear from so many people who said they related to Renee's story. They they struggled with those issues. Maybe they knew someone who struggled with, with some of those issues. Maybe they had lost someone. And we realized these were things that so many people deal with, but very few people talk about. Mm -hmm. And really ever since then, we've been a part of this conversation, trying to invite people into this conversation, trying to let people know not only is it okay to talk about these things, but we need to be able to talk about these things and, and maybe more than anything else that it's okay to ask for help. I, I just want to encourage you and say how awesome it is that you're open with it. I think more people need to be open with it, especially in pe people that work with respectable organizations and people that are maybe seen in a light that, you know, not, none of us deserve to be seen in a higher light than what we are, but people see you, Hey, you work for a cool organization. You're open with your depression. And I may have told this story before, but it's, it's worth telling again. I had a girl that, that called me out of the blue and she wanted to know some, um, you know, answers about depression and just, Hey, you know, how do you deal with this? What does it look like when you get sad? And, you know, just really random questions. And I thought, okay, she just wants to know a little bit more about depression. She's struggling a little bit and everything. Well, I find out after, you know, I found out two weeks later that she, that was her last straw that she was going to kill herself. And she knew that I struggled and, and just her talking to someone that she respected and was open kind of made her feel not so alone and not so abnormal. And, uh, you know, that makes me sound like some kind of hero, but all you I saved was doing was just answering her questions, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's right. I saved her life, man. Well, that, that must be a big, Jamie, do you feel that as a weight? Because I, I mean, we get so many emails and messages and stuff of people telling us about their, 
pain, struggles, these kind of things. I, there's something about this kind of stuff that, that we do and you do and other people do that attract that. And yours must be even more intense because, I mean, what you di- your whole thing is really related to this topic. So do you feel a giant weight of responsibility of just like what Joey said, like people reaching out to you for help and, and expecting that, it, you know, if you need to respond to this email right now, or it could be people could yeah. be committing suicide or like what's, how, what's the weight of all that like yeah. that you well, draw? Honestly, I, I felt more weight early on because when this thing first started, it was, it was literally just me and a MySpace page. But, but now there's, you know, 20 of us who share, share that weight and share the responsibility. So we have people, you know, we can lean on each other. We have systems in place. We've learned a lot. There's professionals we lean on. So it feels a lot healthier and more organized and, and I think too, like, you know, I've learned it's not about me. I've learned to have boundaries. You know, it, a lot of people might think, oh, you're the one person who could understand or you could be compassionate. And a, a lot of times it's, it's trying to help someone believe that they actually deserve better than a moment with me or a tweet or an email. They deserve a support system. They deserve friends. They deserve professional help. And that's probably going to come in, in the place they live, you know, that it's not about, me being a hero or trite love in our arms, having all the answers where we've come upon some ideas we really believe in. And we're trying to, you know, sh- communicate those things to people. So you can get a desperate message like comes into your inbox. You happen to check your email while you're, you know, sitting down with your family, trying to watch the new episode of something on HBO. And you, so you don't feel like you, you can let that go. Say, no, I'm not going to work. I'll, no, I'll get I mean, back to that people Monday. Don't, people don't email me with, <laughs> people don't email me with a desperate message. I mean, we have an info account that our team responds to and we're not a 24 hour hotline, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's, um, we work full time. We give as much as we can, but there's, there's boundaries. We want our people to be healthy and, but yeah, people aren't, I'm not the solution. It, you know, people aren't, there's tweets I respond to. There's comments I respond to. I meet tons of people on the road. Um, but it's not a, 24 hour thing. And it'd be stupid if I was giving out my email and trying to make sure. myself the solution. So are you, so are you guys, when people say, are you just, I've seen your t-shirts. What do you do? Like, like, I mean, are, are you more about the awareness of, uh, you know, potential suicide, uh, cutting, hurt, hurt, depression, all those things are, are you guys a, a organization that is set up to help people? Um, we don't really use that word awareness. I feel like that gets thrown around a lot in nonprofit circles and half the time we don't even think about what it means. So I had a counselor friend say that people are aware of these issues. It's really more about being aware of the people around us and actually engaging in the stories and the pain of the people that we do life with. And I thought that was pretty smart. So, you know, we do a bunch of things. There's, there's a bunch of ways people can connect and get involved. But I think at the end of the day, it, it boils down to we communicate. We've learned that most people who need help, they never get it. And so we want to change that. We're in a unique position to, to try to communicate a message that's basically, hey, if you deal with this stuff, you're not alone. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to ask for help. We respond to the messages that come in. We provide resources. We do our best to connect people to resources online as well as you know places like the Warp Tour and festivals and college events that we go to. So more than anything, it's communicating. And, and the cool thing is we get to meet people who say they're, they're still here, they're still alive, or they ended up getting help because of what we do. What do you do when you travel? You go and speak? Yeah, I, I just finished up a book tour. So that was something unique. Um, about three weeks all across the country. I, I do a lot of speaking at colleges and 
Um, we got guys on the road doing the warp tour all summer mm-hmm. and other festivals. So we love, you know, it, it's a, a, f- a phrase or a statement we've all heard, but basically just going where people are and meeting people where they are. And, uh, you know, I, I get invited to tell the story of how this thing came about cause it's surprising, but more than anything, the hope is that people leave encouraged and feeling less alone and feeling like it's okay to ask for help. One thing I thought was really cool, and honestly, I'm a little jealous about, is that you were able to create an actual movie, and <laughs> you guys did that. Um, well, tell us a little bit about that. How how did that come about, and how did it get made? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. We actually didn't make it. We we got to be a small part of the process, and and I did as well. Yep. But people people assume that, rightfully so. You know, we at the end of uh, kind of when it finally came out, it had our name on it. Um, you know, it was, it was born out of the life story of my friend Renee. So it started there with, uh, our friend David kind of had this idea for her story to be made into a, a movie and got some people together and raised money. And it, you know, it came out in March, but it was actually filmed three or four years prior. Um, you know, was in motion even before that. So it was, it was a roller coaster. It was hard at times. It was awkward at times. Um, and, and finally, you know, we we're happy with it. It's not perfect. There's parts I like, you know, more than other parts, but, um, you know, it's, it was, it was really special though. I, I was, I remember walking onto the set the first day and not knowing what to expect and, and really getting sucked in. And it, it kind of ended up feeling like camp. Just, I was around for five weeks and a bunch of people rooting for each other. And, um, there's a lot of it I really like, and, and I'm glad that it, it finally, you know, for some people it was their introduction to the organization and for other people they waited four years for it. So, um, it's been really cool to, to meet people who finally got the chance to see it. Is that something you want to do more of? Did you enjoy that business or not, not so much that, that no, industry, I, I should say? No, I mean, you know, my, my assumption is that sort of a, a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Um, yeah. you know, it never would have dreamed that that story that I got to live would be made into a movie. So, you know, we, we love, we, we do make videos and we, we love, you know, film and things like that, but it's not something we're thinking a lot about in terms of doing that again. And, and part of it was, part of it was hard, you know, you're, it's a story that's really personal and all of a sudden you're working with a whole bunch of people. Um, and there is a business reality, you know, we, we ended up working with Sony and they do this every day. They put out films and, um, so no, I, I wouldn't say it's it's a door we want to keep knocking on, but we're we're aware that it's pretty amazing that it happened once. <laughs> That's great. That's cool, man. The other thing I want to ask you too is it's kind of interesting to me because I remember the first time I saw the shirt, I was like, "Good God, that's a, just a lot of letters on a T-shirt. What is that? What what did they do that for?" And then I found out the story and figured it out. But I would have to say that to write "Love in Our Arms" really did spark a lot of folks copying you don't you think that like it it started happening everywhere where i saw like more than six or seven letters and uh you know it's like a a t-shirts here everybody had a cause and all that stuff what was that like to spark that for a bunch of people is that a is that a good thing or were you like a little annoyed by it yeah you know it it's funny you mentioned that because um and you you know you can even unpack that more i mean we had there were parody shirts there were shirts that were were really mean you know that we had our our critics and people that wanted to watch the thing fall apart as, as quick as it took off. And, you know, I feel like we've been able to, I guess 
maybe outlast some of those people or, or hopefully just surprise people and build something that's legit yeah. and, and sustainable. So, you know, there was a time that stuff really offended me and I feel like we've been able to kind of keep our head down and try to do the work. And a lot of it goes away because people love to pick on whatever's brand new. And I think, or be successful. I mean, whatever's succeeding at a meteoric pace, people are going to take a shot. Easy target. But, but, you know, I think we were maybe more of a target when it was this brand new thing that kind of came out. What was the criticism? What was the general vibe of criticism you think you received? Oh, you know, I mean, people just saying, People saying we don't do anything, um, you know, people saying I was in it to get rich or to be cool. People, you know, and and there were, you know, I think like a lot of times there, there's fractions of truth in there. There were, there were times that my relationship with Renee was really broken. And so, you know, even even locally in central Florida, there were people that would want to call bullshit on the whole thing because they'd say, oh, these guys don't even get along, you know, or, or hey, yeah. people are. People are making all this money. Off he's of making money stuff. off of her and that kind of or something yeah. like that. Doesn't so even care were, about her. There were a lot of hard things that we had to navigate, and you know, even specifically for Renee and I, you know, we're we're good friends today. There's there's been a lot of healing and a lot of peace, and there's little things along the way that I'm I'm just thankful for. But um, there were definitely definitely hard moments, you know, even way, way harder than having a logo ripped off. <laughs> well, the, the thing is not the logo rip off thing. It's like basically like, okay, so we're in a band. And so when we're traveling, we get, I don't know. I mean, it's more than one per tour or week of tour. It almost seems like where somebody will come to you, dude, I'm starting a clothing company. I want you to wear <laughs> our shirts. And, and it's, yeah. and it's not good usually. And then they'll often have a name that sounds like it's uh, very inspired by to write love on her arms <laughs> or yeah, even similar, totally. you know, stuff. And uh, you know, the these knockoff things, I don't think they think they're not trying to like rip you off a bootleg or, or something like that. They just they go, oh, he did that, and that turned yeah, out yeah. good, so I got to do that. But it's but it's not yeah. original or you know sure. what I mean? it's, it, it, yeah. it's just weird to see it as often as we do. No, I know you mean. I mean, I think you know there there's been times over the years like you know it's been almost ten years, so there's definitely been moments of jealousy or feeling competitive or feeling threatened, but um. I think I, as I've grown up, I've, I've tried to let a lot of it go. And, you know, I guess that somewhere in there is, is flattery and the idea that maybe we've right. been able to inspire some people. And, you know, th- there is a need for people to do good work. And, and I hope that people can be moved to solve certain problems or, or you know, fix yeah. things that are broken on this planet. And I, I don't think it's my place to worry too much about it or, or judge people for what or how they're going about it. And, you know, I think we got, we got plenty of, plenty of work to focus on and, you know, I'm, I'm thankful you guys pointed it out. It, it's really rare that, that something takes off, that something lasts, you know, even, even a year, uh, let alone coming up on 10. Sure. So 10 years, that's great. I've really tried to come to a place of being grateful for how it's gone. So you mentioned feeling competitive and stuff like that. Is For nonprofits, is that even is that part of the vernacular of stuff? Like do you think about who is our competition in the nonprofit world? Well, I think I, I, I kind of mean that more as a, a confession of, of, you know, certain moments that, that are – a bit uglier. It's not something I, you know, talk openly about. I think it's just part of being human. You, you kind of look over your shoulder or you look at who else is having success. And, and for me, that was probably harder a few years back. But, um, you know, I think the other side of it is, is I've come to feel like we really need peers. You know, I was really sad when invisible children, you know, essentially had to close its doors because they were 
probably the closest thing on the planet to to us in terms of history and how we started and size and reach yeah. and um you know that a case could be made that there were there were moments i mean there were times we were competing for the same grants or the same you know million dollars at, at one point oh yeah so that's what i was asking that's that's interesting so i don't know anything about that but so you're saying there is a, like in the nonprofit world you even there you compete for stuff like grants or mark market share or those is it that kind of thing or to get opportunities at least um, I mean, you, you, we do, but I think what I'm saying is more that that's just part of being human. It's not, right. it's not something, um, it's not like I gather our team and say, we, we must Crush beat them. The <laughs> um, and I, and really where I was going with that was saying, I was really sad when I, when I heard mm-hmm. that they were done, um, because you know, we want to win, we want to do great work, but, but we want other people to be around and doing great work as well. So do you guys get a lot of grants? Is that, is that a big part of how, how you know that? We actually we don't you know we're we're pretty unique. Um, we're still primarily funded by T-shirt sales. The the big one for us, the one I was mentioning, was the American Giving Awards when we won a million dollars uh, a couple years back, and that was it was the first time they ever did it on national television. Um, so that was a you know kind of a another sort of once in a lifetime kind of thing. It doesn't even they haven't they did it for two years and then it, they're not doing it anymore. So on that invisible children thing, did I, I? You must know a lot more about it than me. But is that that whole thing fell apart because that guy like masturbated in a park or something? Uh, forgive me no, for he, being wrong about that. But is that? No, no, no. Um, he's a good friend, Jason. Um, he had a a mental breakdown. Um, but you know, I, I I don't think it could be traced to that. You know, they they grew really fast. The the Coney twenty twelve thing was was enormous and. You know, I think they just ended up in a place where they had hired a ton of people. They had a huge overhead, and and as some time went by, they just couldn't keep up with it. And and you know, they're not done entirely. They just had to scale it way, way, way back. Um, yeah. But you know, there's a real mental health connection. Jason, Jason's mm-hmm. a good friend, and and you know, he was one of their founders, and we're closer today. And and some of that's because of what he had to walk through. Um, and and yeah, to me, it was a real honor to to try to support him, you know, just to be his friend through that really difficult time. Yeah, well, forgive me if saying, saying it that way. I just was my, uh, n- you know, lack of understanding of exactly the situation. But, yeah, certainly he had some kind of mental uh, – is, how is he? Is he okay then? Yeah, yeah. He he basically had to take a break. He went and got help. He, he went through some pretty intense treatment, and uh, he's doing really well now. I mean, he's a, a husband and a dad, and, you know, some time has gone by, and he had to – you know, change some things and set some boundaries. He, he was basically just, you know, that, that Coney 2012 video went viral and he was on a plane, you know, every day doing press and not taking care of himself and, and just got to a a breaking point. I got a question like with organizations that have such a reputation for helping people, what do you do personally when you go through seasons of, I don't really care. Like I, I can't find it in me to, really sincerely care about other people. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I go through those seasons. I, I would say for me, it's more a struggle of, um, you know, do I care about myself? <laughs> um, I feel like it's pretty easy when I read a tweet or, or somebody standing in front of me, it's, it's pretty easy for me to remember that side of it. But, you yeah. know, certainly you go through times of feeling uninspired or just feeling down or maybe wishing certain things were different. 
in my life. But in a way, the, you know, the, the job side of it actually feels really healthy a lot of the time because it, it takes me out of my own stuff and, and out of living in my head and reminds me there's, I, you know, that I work on something that's a lot bigger than me. Mm-hmm. With it being bigger than you, is it ever, is it ever detrimental? Like this thing blew up and now you're part of something that's really large or very large organization. Is it, is it taxing? What, what are the, what are the downsides of working for an awesome giant nonprofit? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of the responsibility. I mean, I, I joke that I meet people that have our logo tattooed on their body. And so that's a pretty easy reminder not to screw the thing up, (laughs) you know? And, um, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm really thankful that it, again, the hardest it ever was, was when it was just me, because that was really lonely, really overwhelming. And, you know, now if I need to take a day off or a week off, if I need to deal with some things, this whole thing is going to keep going because there's a whole bunch of us that, that share the weight of it, share the responsibility. And so I, I think I've just had to learn even the hard way at times, but how to, how to take care of myself so that I have something to give. And, and so that I can yeah. do this job. I'm really thankful for. So when, I, when was the time that you realized that, Oh wait, this is bigger than I thought. Like there, there was a time where you were doing something for your friend. And then at what point in your life where you're like, Oh my gosh, this thing just went crazy, yeah. like viral. Like what, when was that? You know, um, you guys remember Cornerstone, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, the festival. So we were given a booth at Cornerstone, Florida, which was in Orlando. And, and that was, you know, one of the basically a smaller version of the great big Cornerstone in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I remember a friend who was a pastor, he had a booth that he wasn't going to use. And so he gave it to me. And I remember thinking, man, is this weird? Like, do I even does this even make sense? Um, but it was a free spot. And so we went and we had the T-shirts and um, I remember Renee was able to be there and the shirts were just everywhere. I mean, there were so many bands. I remember meeting Haley Williams from Paramore for the first time that day and she wanted to wear a shirt on stage. And it, it was just this moment of, wow, this thing is taking off. You know, we were selling shirts and so much of that had to do with the bands that wanted to support us. And I remember coming out of that weekend, there was you know, some of the cornerstone people said, Hey, you, you really got something here. You, you should come to Illinois this summer. And, and, uh, I was working for Hurley at the time, but I think that was kind of the weekend that gave me permission to think, I think, I think this could really be something. I want to ask yeah. all you guys a question. Cause y'all been, uh, you know, Matt and Toby, you guys being on the road, y'all see this stuff all the time. And it's, it's actually quite new to me, but I see now since we've been doing bad Christian, we receive emails and stuff. I mean, and I hate saying this cause it almost makes it like I'm making light of it, but organizations that are after things like to write love on your arms, they are dime a dozen now. I mean, just constantly people like we go to a living room show or an Emory show or whatever. And Hey, here's a bracelet that we just right. made, or here's t-shirts we just made, or here's something. And do you think, do you think that it's hard for people that are setting out to do something like that to have pure motives? Or do you think there's some people that are just like, I'd love just to get really big. Well, well, I think that's what we were talking about earlier. Jamie, do you think those people just saw you made it and that's why they're doing those things? Or do you think their motives are real? Like, cause I mean, those same people uh, probably maybe even complained earlier. I mean, it, 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 you did all that. Yeah. Man, I, I don't think it's, 
I don't think you can put everybody in one category. You know, I, I'm sure there's, there's people on both sides of it. There's people with really great motives and, and, um, I think there's other people that not just want to start something big for the wrong reasons, but they want to start something big because they think that's the only way it'll matter. And, um, to me, I love reminding people that, Hey, we just, we literally tried to help one person. We tried to help to tell one story. And, and my hope is that that can be inspiring. Like, Hey, don't, don't worry about the big part. Don't even worry about the organization part, but what are the things that break your heart on this planet? And what does it look like to be a part of, of fixing it? And maybe that means being an intern or learning a lot about that thing that starts to matter to you. And, you know, I, I think we're supposed to tell stories. We're supposed to meet needs. And I don't think we have a ton of control over what takes off or, or to what degree. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted to ask too is how do you not stay static? And because like you said, you know, with like in, invisible children, things come and go. And you obviously seem like you're aware of that. How are you, how is to write love on our arms, not staying static and progressing and growing and doing more? Like, do you see that as a need for, for your organization? Yeah. I mean, you know, over time there's, there's been new campaigns, new ways for people to get involved, new ideas, new events. So, so I'm aware that there's a need for that, but you know, I I think one thing is we, we have a really broad canvas to paint on. And what I mean by that is, you know, a challenge for invisible children was asking primarily young people in America to care about a war on a different continent, you know, even a specific part of a different continent and we're really fortunate that we're talking about a problem that exists probably in every person we encounter, whether it's them or a family member or a friend, pretty much everyone at some point is, is touched by things like depression, addiction, suicide. And so, you know, to me, um, this isn't a problem that we're going to solve. Like, like these things aren't ever going to go away entirely. And, and so to me, I think, you know, there's a need to be creative. There's a need to keep inventing things. But at the same time, we want to keep, keep kind of sounding like a broken record and telling people they're not alone, telling people they can be honest. And, you know, the cool thing is nine years in, um, we still get to see the light bulb go off for people pretty much every day where, um, the things we're communicating are somehow getting through, whether it's online or in person. And, um, you know, to me, the, I think the, the truth, the heart of the matter matters more than the the marketing part of it well so you you keep your image uh let me see if i can say this right you keep your image separate from uh christianity to some degree so how did you describe that line like you don't you don't i can't ask that question exactly the right way you don't make yourself overtly a christian organization and it's clearly on purpose right yeah you know there's i guess what what we would probably call christian language that shows up in the to write love and arm story that the whole thing grew out of. And there's, there's actually a lot of it. And to me, I I've honestly been surprised, pleasantly surprised that we weren't pigeonholed as a ministry or as a Christian project. And well, you I must remember have done that. you must've intentionally avoided that. And I'd, I would commend you and say, you've done a very good job of that. And I think that's good and important. And I think some people will be critical of that say, well, you, if you're not saying Jesus, then this, that, or whatever, but I'm saying surely that was intentional on your part to avoid pigeonholing, right? Yeah. You know, I just felt like if we did call it a Christian organization, Christians would high five, but there's a bunch of people we would alienate and, and never be able 
to reach. And the cool thing is, you know, I've, I grew up a Christian. I have a lot of friends who are, you know, known as Christian leaders, whether they're pastors or writers and, and they believe in the work that we're doing, even though it's not, um, a flag that we fly in a really obvious or loud way, you know, we, on, in the frequently asked questions section, we explain that, that we don't call it a Christian organization and it's not a requirement for someone to be part of our team, whether that's on staff or as an intern. Um, you know, the, the short version I think is Christians are, are known for really being excited about their answers. Like Christians want to tell people how to think, how to vote, how to live, and I think we're in a unique position to really be about some questions, like some really heavy, big, important questions, and to tell people that their questions matter. Mm-hmm. And um, and but not to try to think for everyone, you know, not to to shove a certain belief system or certain answers down their throat, but um, you know, to tell people that they deserve love. And so there's there's a lot that um, that I think comes off a bit vague, but I'm okay with that, you yeah. know. It, there's things that are um, informed by what I grew up believing, but I, I, I'm thoughtful and, and hopefully careful about how I communicate that. You say the way you grew up believing it, it does that uh, insinuate that you don't necessarily have the same beliefs you did growing up? Now, no, I, I wouldn't even necessarily say that. I would definitely say I have more questions now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think when I was a young guy, I I kind of thought I had it all figured out and, you know, grew up in church and grew up a Christian. And, um, you know, I think I assume you guys would, would agree. Um, you know, we, we bump into people who call themselves Christians who say some things and demonstrate some things that really make us sad and, and rub us the wrong way. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so I think I've just tried to be careful because that's a word that means a lot of different things to different people. Um, so I, I totally believe in a God who loves me and loves people and made me to be loved and known. Um, so much of that informs, you know, I think what I want to be about and even, I guess, what I feel like is a purpose in my life. But I'm just more comfortable um, saying I don't know to, to certain issues or questions than maybe I was 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. I mean, I think that's a, a br- pretty big theme, and there's a big spectrum to what that means. I mean, you know, and I wouldn't I wouldn't ask you to totally nail down your beliefs or anything like that, but, I mean, that is a common thing now is it's just you hear more and more people being willing at least to admit that they're stacking up more questions than they are having answers. It seems to be a trend, or maybe it's just the stream that we swim in, but, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Well, and I think too, like you choose your battles, you know, and, um, so the, the battle that I've kind of signed up for is, is trying to help people who are struggling with depression, addiction, maybe even thinking about suicide. And so I, I want to do everything I can to communicate with those people and, and to love those people. And, um, with that to, to not alienate or offend somebody just because, Maybe they grew up in a different place or believing something very different. Well, some someone would say, but then do you stop short of trying to get them to heaven then? Yeah, you know, I, I don't feel the pressure to be a a one-stop shop. You know, right. I, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like God gave us brains and, and hearts and, um, you know, every conversation. I mean, I, I feel like you guys, you guys know this, so I'm not, I'm not saying it directly to you, but just in general, like, 
I think sometimes people feel like the, the church or Christians, it's like a, a bad used car lot, you know? Yep. And no matter what we talk about, if we talk about any topic, um, heavy or otherwise, it somehow has to end with a come to Jesus moment. Right. And, um, I just don't think that's realistic. I don't really think it, it works. And so if, if people want to talk about God or if a conversation goes there, then, then sure, you know, let's do it. But, um, I think we, we love the idea of, I guess, unconditional love and, and not having some secret agenda, but just yeah, trying. Agenda is the right Agenda's the right word, and that uh, parallels well to a car lot, because when you go to a used car lot or anything where you know a kiosk at the mall, they, they'll, they'll break the ice and ask you a question, but you know that they it doesn't matter. There's no way <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. believe that they care because you know there's something else behind it. And I, I get that when I – even at churches and with people that I don't think are, you know, illegitimate or, or bad at all. But I get that feeling like, oh, you're trying to invest in me and know me, but just so that eventually you can make sure to, to do this or to count it in this checkbox or, or something like that. I can feel it. Like sometimes weeks down the road where people intentionally don't bring up too much Christian stuff and it's a long term, it's like a long con or something. I feel like they have to have it in the back of their mind that this is going somewhere. Totally. And so, you know, you know, the criticism you mentioned, like, absolutely. I I understand that. Um, I can, I can handle that. I can swallow that. Um, But we've seen a lot of good come. And and to me, I want to see people stay alive and be healthy enough to wrestle through those questions for themselves. Uh, You know, I, I want to see people go to counseling. And um, if they're thinking about suicide, I want to see people decide to stick around and, and to live this life with other people. And I can feel good about that. And I think, you know, um, I want to respect people enough for for them to, to feel like, you know, it it doesn't have to all come from me in terms of what Mm. you should believe, how you should live your life. Totally. I, I think the same thing, like it's, it's really interesting when, um, you, I think the thing that is, and you talked about this, some criticism and stuff, but what people don't understand is when you create something, it you, you don't necessarily have that hold on it. Like it, it like the, you, you created to the right level on arms and it, it spiraled and got crazier than you ever could have imagined most likely. And that's the same way like with our band and even with this podcast, it's just gotten more and more. And I think people want to critique that like you're completely in charge of it, but I think that sure. you just get to be a part of it. And you know yeah. what I mean? Like you, you get to be a part of to write love on our arms, not all oh, the the mastermind behind it. That like is you had the end of it this way out. and that. So it's like right. the, it's and like so, the writers that, of Lost. We, we're Emory, and now we didn't have no idea how to end it, so we're just flailing out here. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> for sure. <laughs> we didn't know but, what was going to happen. Point, but my point behind that is all the good comes from what people don't realize is. So much of the good comes from the lack of control that you actually have over something you create. You create it, and then it takes on a life of its own, and it does this amazing things and starts going on its own. And then you really do hear real life changes or things that happen where, like, I mean, we, we've written songs same way. We've written songs where now people come up and they show me the lyrics that, that I wrote, the dumbass that I am. I wrote some dumbass lyric, and this person, it meant so much to them. They want it on their skin forever, and I'm just blown away. I'm leveled. And I'm like, man, I know who I am. That lyric, that, that, that's bigger than me. And that's okay. Like I can I can I can live with that now because I go, wait a minute. That I know who Toby is. That lyric 
maybe it was God given, maybe you know whatever it was, maybe it was just creativity, whatever you want to call it. At that at that moment could mean so much that somebody would want that, and and I think that's what's really neat about it is, and where where I hear you coming from is that you can create something, it grows like it, it does, like a like it's like planting a seed. You planted the seed, but you di- you didn't expect it to look like that when it you know six months from now, and that's just so neat that you get to be a part of that. Totally, yeah, man. I, I all that rings true, and all that resonates for sure. Yeah. Well, Jamie, well, I'm, I'm, awesome, I'm good on this. I don't yeah. know if you have any other stuff you want to talk about or anything else like that, but I've enjoyed talking to you so far. No, yeah, man, thanks, you man. you guys have been great, and I, I've enjoyed the conversation, and um, think you guys are doing a really cool thing. I, I started to hear about it, and you know, Craig Gross, who's a friend, has raved about you guys and your audience, and um, yeah, I just think. It, you guys are doing something really unique and really honest, and and so I'm I'm appreciative that you wanted to talk. Yeah, absolutely. I think people will love to hear from you. Oh yeah, Thanks, they man. will for sure. So awesome. Yeah, All right, man. Well, talking good talking to you. to you, man. You guys too. Have a good day. All right, man. That was awesome. Yeah, I really like that guy. That was the first time I've ever met him. Thank you. And too, uh, to write love on your arms, man. That's a that's a monstrous organization. They're huge. Yes, they is. are massive. They are massive. They are massive. They're so massive and huge. It's a big old nonprofit. <laughs> we, uh, it's just so big. We're still waiting on the application to come back to get the damn news turned into a nonprofit, and then we're going to take over. That'll Definitely. Be, uh, then we should be able to scale that to similar size as Jamie's. Definitely. Is, is, my news, I, is my news the only news? Is Toby the damn news? Is it with Toby Morrell? Is it the only news that is for not, <laughs> not for profit? <laughs> we're not doing it for profit. We're doing it to tell the truth, aren't we? I'm trying to start a nonprofit organization called uh, BJP by, <laughs> by Joey Pizza. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got it. Speaking of not for profit, can we get to the damn news? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Joey, what, wait, Joey, you have ahead. a story I can see it on your phone? No, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. This news, apparently, my news isn't important. Joey has something he really needs well, to get I, off his heaving chest. I have an ugly confession to make. How often do you find pepperoni in your chest hair? <laughs> you got a confession, I have an Joey? Ugly confession it. to make. Yeah. So we had a lot of technical difficulties. Uh, very recent, uh, like today, like within the seconds last hour. <laughs> and it doesn't stress me out a bit. Like you guys know how uptight I get. <laughs> I wonder how that is? And how, like That's so crazy, it doesn't stress you out. I, I get, wonder why you don't get stressed <laughs> out. All the time. I'm trying to explain. I'm trying to explain. I'm very OCD. I'm very schedule oriented. I get really uptight about being late and missing appointments and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason why I don't get stressed out at all is because I know for a fact there is not a damn thing I can do to help. Yeah, I wonder why <laughs> like you're not I troubleshoot with you the guys. The whole time Toby and I are stressing over the connection or the input or the gain, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm singing songs <laughs> and emailing people, and I'm putting things on social media. Like I just It's like free time for you. Like You love episode. it when we have technical problems because you get to go on no, break. Hey, it's I'm like being on the sh- toilet. Hey, 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 back up, sir. I'm very constructive with our time. In fact... The more technical difficulties we have, the more productive I am for bad Christian right. because you guys are always saying I'm dead. Oh, man, stories. that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I'm glad you stopped us to tell us how little you're stressed yeah. out is something that you don't partake in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The damn news. Oh, Lord. Yeah, let's stop. Let, you know what? Hey, let's make big news by not doing the damn news. In, in a, a world. In a world. This is my news. 
in a in world. world. Come on. This song's going to be over soon. You better you get it, it out. No, no, yeah, you do it. You go ahead, Joey. All right. In a world. In a world. Well, you're, where your friend says you're fat, but they're the fattest person in the whole entire country. I'm Joey Svensson, and this is the damn news. With Standing in Toby Morrell. <laughs> this is Toby Morrell. You hijacked my intro. So... So for those of you that have been waiting for the coming return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that time is imminent. This is terrible. So, You're destroying my news. We don't even have that much time. We had a lot of technical difficulties. You're talking about Jesus Christ returning, <laughs> <laughs> just like a pastor. Let me say, Jesus Christ is returning. You need people to give tithes to help the cause in <laughs> where? Cause. What country do you need money to get so we can send you to it? Yo, I haven't seen the world. I want to buy a jet. <laughs> All right, plus I lost my news. All right. Can we get this started? Yeah, this is I'm like, ready this for is, story this, well, this has been love, derailed. I love getting this started because it means it's going to end. Go ahead. That's the only way that I like for this to get started. I do love you, though, and I don't mean anything personal by what I say about your damn news. <laughs> Toby is stalling because he doesn't know where his damn news is at. It's not true. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's damn true. No, don't you have a news story? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let me do your news story for, that you would probably do. Um, this is a news story that Joey would do. Um, um, I am Joey Spencer, and I'm <laughs> filling in for Toby, who normally does the news. Um, today, a pastor had the audacity. To <laughs> <laughs> like you don't, when you do the news, you don't give a source because pastors don't give a shit where they steal their material from. <laughs> I give a verse though. <laughs> But you throw the verse in. No, an unrelated sure. verse, is, and that's it. <laughs> you have an unrelated verse. Or you say something. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know who said it, but this is a, this is a great quote that I know. Uh, all right, I thought this is a, a fun one to start with. Gi- oh, cool. <laughs> Giant penis sprays confetti to promote safe sex. All right. Wow. Yeah. Do you, y'all care about safe sex? Well, yeah, I definitely care. I do want to ask the question though. in a minute, so go ahead and be prepared okay. to answer this question. Okay. Uh, do you think it's uh, not Christian or is Christian to not promote condoms or tell kids, you know, teenagers or adults even that don't use a condom, like don't pass them out for free and all that stuff. But anyway, when a man in a giant penis costume ejaculates confetti on people, you pay attention. This comes from the Huffington Post. But are you thinking about practicing safe sex? That's the dilemma facing a wacky PSA in Norway. And you know how those Norwegians are. Aren't you Norwegian, Joey? Yeah, I am. Yeah, that's really cool. To combat the increase in STDs. A penis can surprise you is the tagline in, in Norwegian. The PSA was produced by, uh, for Norway by the Swedish Association for Sexuality Education. A spokesperson for Involve Ad Agency behind the spot told Mira the commercial is intended to highlight the fun and naughtiness of sex, though admittedly many over 30 thought the campaign was pointless and some so went, went so far to say it was banal and idiotic. So... First of all, it's a giant. If you watch the video, there's a giant guy, a guy dressed as a giant penis, and he surprises people and shoots confetti onto them. I would be kind of mad if I was just trying to enjoy my lunch, and somebody, a giant penis, walked up and shot stuff all over me. I would be mad. But to go back to my question, Joey, you're a pastor. Right. Do you do you think churches or Christians have a responsibility to say, hey, no matter what, you're probably going to have sex, so do it safely? Or do you think that's not good and say, hey, no matter what, abstinence only. We don't. We won't give anybody condoms. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have to give you the honest answer, and that is I'm torn on the subject, and here's why. 
I would say that my natural inclination would be to lean more towards, hey, we care about your physical lives here. Right. And we want to make sure that you don't spread diseases that will kill you or unwanted pregnancies and, you know, maybe even prevent some abortions that would happen. But I can't get out of my mind that this life is so, 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 so short in God's kingdom is forever and ever and ever and ever. So let's just live by God's kingdom. Let's just uphold his standards. And you know what? If, if, is it, could it be possible that if we're upholding the truth, even though someone dies with an STD, maybe there's a greater chance of them knowing Jesus? I, I just don't know. I mean, I. Well, I'm interesting. Torn. I mean, I'd say you want to start that, at, a, th- at a maybe an individual level. Um, time out. Turn up Joey's mic. It's super quiet, and yours is, Toby's is loud. Um, so okay. I would say you want to start at it on a personal level instead of saying these big things and all that. Just yeah. how about if it is uh, your, we'll see, let's take it one step removed. Ruby's best friend, who you know real well, she spends the night at your house a lot. Her parents are yep. awful. And she comes to Jessica. Which would be probably Gwenny. Yep, right. <laughs> and her parents are Joey. <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> but she co- so, so she comes to you and says, uh, ask Jessica, could you please get me condoms? I, I'm, go- I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 17, 18 even, uh, maybe even going right. to college. So, yeah, say, say she's 18, 19, and she comes to Ruby's yeah. mom, who's pretty cool, and she knows she can talk to, and ask, could you give her some advice and please help her get some condoms? She's too embarrassed to buy them, but she is definitely having sex with her boyfriend the question is do you right. just refuse to do that or would you help her out now oh i would try to tell her not to or whatever but that's not the situation that's not the option she's giving you she's asking for you to help her and give her condoms and help her with that yeah i do you think give them or don't i guess i would in that situation okay. but i, I would have solved. a bear uh, hold on no, 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 no. problem solved answer I mean, given there's a big difference no, there's a big difference in that situation and then making like policy. I mean, there there are two different ways of looking at it. But I, I'll give you this. That's that is definitely very helpful as far as me thinking that through. But there would be way more dialogue. I wouldn't say, Oh, of sure. Course, of course. I'll give we you all know condoms. that. Here you go. We all know that. But somebody would say that's indoors, you know, whatever. But then you just apply that on the larger scale, of course. And that's somebody you know. So now you're gonna talk about somebody yeah. on the street or somebody at a, a a high school or somebody at Planned Parenthood or whatever, somebody you don't know that's not yeah. even a Christian, well, of course you have to help them out would be the next step because they don't even, I mean, you have no business telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing, and you're not, it's not going to work even if you do tell them. So the only logical choice that flows out of what you're saying there is to make condoms available for those who are going to use them. It's the only really logical thing you could say given the scenario you just said. Now, should the church always give them out and tell people, here, go use these? Sure, not. Don't do that. Fine. But in general, you don't want, like, the, the idea of keeping condoms and, and birth control and uh, all that kind of stuff, safe sex, out of sex education is nonsense. That's silly. Here's what I say. I think that the, the thing that I don't like is that uh, Christians would say, we are not going to give out condoms, knowing for a fact that 90-something percent, including them, had sex outside of marriage. And also, at the exact same time, what I hear a lot of people say is, oh, man, that, that girl got pregnant. Well, she should have known, should have done something about it. You know, like, like it, they don't get it. So if you're not going to support handing out condoms or telling people about safe sex or whatever, then I think there should be a giant fund for when people end up getting pregnant. Obviously, they're going to. I think churches should have some kind of fund to help teenagers and parents uh, or, you know, parents uh, that aren't married or whatever it might be to set up that kid for, for a big life. Moving on. This comes from people.com. Tallywhackers. 
an all-male version of Hooters opens up in Dallas. And I thought this was cool. Nothing goes with comfort food quite like a side of short shorts. At least that's according to the new Texas restaurant, Tallywhackers. Joey, I know this got you <laughs> your mouth watering. <laughs> <laughs> the eatery inspired by Hooters, which opened in Dallas, features an all-male wait staff dressed in tight bottoms and tiny tanks. For 10 years, owner Rodney Duke contemplated why there wasn't a male equivalent to Hooters, and he finally decided to create one. Tallywhackers describes itself as a bar, restaurant, and entertainment destination for everyone. There is eye candy for boys and girls, great food, and a really good time. Unlike Hooters, Tallywhackers will give diners the opportunity to choose their waiter before sitting down to order, which I think you know is probably the way to go. So, as of now, I think if this catches on, I think there is no reason for a male Christian to go to Hooters anymore. You can get the wings, you can get you know the chicken wings, bony, you can get the game on, and it's just dudes, and that's where you should go. No Christian guy, I believe, should go to Hooters anymore. Unless he's, but if he, what if he's a gay Christian the guy? Street. Then he needs to go to Hooters. You would say by the same logic. Yeah, like if so, he doesn't lust. Right. That's a, a great point, Matt. Great point, Joey. How excited are you to go to Tallywhackers? Good. I'm really excited. <laughs> what? <laughs> I remember we went to Hooters one time on on tour, which we've done d- dozens of times probably, but we went to Hooters. No, you did? We, you didn't tell me. When we went to Hooters, remember, and you told Jessica you went there, and she it was kind of her idea. This was probably 12 years ago as well. And she goes, well, I don't really yeah. like it. How would you like it if I went to a restaurant called Dongs? <laughs> <laughs> didn't she say that? Yeah, she said So she that. thought of the idea, but she wanted to open a restaurant called Dong's, but Tallywhackers is probably better than that. All right, my last news segment that is actually news. I thought this was interesting. Bristol Palin announces she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Y'all know who that is? Sarah Palin's yeah. daughter. Yeah, which is, you know, right-winger, Christian, and uh-oh, she's pregnant again. Huffington Post writes... Bristol Palin, daughter of former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin, announced in a blog post Thursday that she is pregnant. I think some of the stuff she writes is really funny, too. Palin wrote that she shared the news sooner than I ever expected due to the constant trolls who have nothing better to talk about. (laughs) She's pissed. People are talking about her pregnancy. Palin wrote that the pregnancy has been and will be a huge disappointment to my family. (laughs) Starting off on the right foot here with this baby. I can't wait for the baby one day to read this article from her mom. Honestly, I've been trying my hardest to keep my chin up on this one, Palin wrote. At the end of the day, there's nothing I can't do with God by my side, and I know I am fully capable of handling anything that is put in front of me with dignity and grace. And then she verified her Twitter, Palin's verified Twitter account shared the link to the post Thursday. Palin gave birth to her first son out of wedlock, Trip Easton Mitchell Johnston, back in 2008, and, uh, but her and that guy, Levi Johnston, broke up. Oh, and man. she was recently engaged to a Medal of Honor recipient, but she called off the wedding. And now she ended up apparently hooking up with somebody right after she called off her wedding and is pregnant again. And in some other posts and stuff like that, she's talking about people asking her to respect her privacy. And she's pissed that people are talking about it. But what happened was she hooked up with a dude, got pregnant, and now everybody's talking about it. She's like, damn it. And she calls people trolls that are talking to her and about it and all this stuff. And it's just really funny. Once again, this isn't even a pastor or anything. It's just a, a Christian that is... The reason she's famous is because her mom was the governor, you know, ran for vice president and all that stuff. But she personally is famous for just 
having sex outside of marriage and getting pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> like, and she's mad that people know over that, but I mean, that she has fame now from that. Yeah, that's true. If she would not have gotten pregnant, nobody would know who she is and she just have whatever, you know, maybe she, some, like I said, some fame from her mom or whatever, but well, because a, she keeps rough, getting pregnant, she's fame. That's a rough spot because if you're, if you're, you're attached to somebody that's famous, now you, you know, you're not going to, you're gonna be like the dumb brother of somebody or something like that. You know, that's the 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 loser yeah. cousin or kind of thing. That's like you're you're relegated to that to some degree because it's not like you can go out and really succeed on your own. You're just the relative yeah. of that person, so that's tough to be in. But what what I can't stand about it is the way she talks about ha- getting pregnant, and having a kid, like it's a bummer. Like she's gonna get through it or make the I most know. of it, or it's a mistake. That never. It's really hard and tough. For whatever that means. Before my miscarriage, after, way before that, and this never has ever made sense to me to talk about a, a existence of a, a human as a bummer. I just don't. I mean, I just don't get uh-huh. it. It just never makes – it seems like so – I don't see <laughs> it, how it, you – like, I understand something. Like, you can be – I guess I can understand the negative emotion around it, but it just doesn't make sense that you don't see the big picture that that person – is certainly glad that they're going to get to exist. I just and somebody would say, well, there's some people that live and it's awful and they'd rather not exist. But I don't. That's not my experience. I just don't even know I mean, anybody. That, yeah, that there's plenty see. of money in this family. I mean, this isn't a money oh. issue or anything. But the two things that stand out to me are one. Let's keep on this this part. This is this is another take on it from Yahoo. It's, she actually wrote, I wanted you guys to be the first to know that I am pregnant. Honestly, I've been trying my hardest to keep my chin up on this. Yeah, one. I know terrible. this has been and will. Listen, I know this has been and will be a huge disappointment to my family, my close friends, and to many of you. Life moves on no matter what. So no matter how you feel, you get up, get dressed, show up, and never give up. When life gets tough, there is no other option but to get tougher. Welcome to the world, young Palin. (laughs) That's a Christian talking about, man. And what is hilarious is if anybody on earth, if any person on earth should know how you get pregnant, it should have been Bristol Palin. She had already done it once. What was she thinking? Oh, you know, I'm going to have unprotected sex because it only happens once. Lightning can't strike twice. Is that what she thought? I mean, you get pregnant by letting a penis ejaculate inside of you without a condom. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, wait wait, wait, wait a second. I didn't know that. She knows that. I I didn't. I mean, how can the world, can she not have known that? And now it's like this big shock, man. I'm so disappointed. Disappointed in what? You're disappointed that you did the exact same thing and it worked? Like the way the body is supposed to, two bodies are supposed to work together to create a body worked? You're disappointed and shocked that that happened? I just think that's awful that her kid will know that. I mean, she'll, I guess that that'll be, you know, there's like. I know, I feel bad if her kid has to read that. Anyway, my point is (laughs) another Christian just being attacked by Satan. <laughs> Satan is against Bristol Palin. A, he wants to bring her down right. by continuously exactly getting right. her it's, pregnant. That's right. And we need to get our where's our prayer warriors to shut that thing up so no more babies come that's out of right. that thing. Hey, but, I want people praying right now. Right. Hey, but Sarah the, Palin, that point of view is the opposite of a miraculous. This ba- babies are supposed to be a miracle, but yeah, this is, she treats it like it's the opposite. Like it's a direct act of Satan <laughs> that the insemination occurred. <laughs> that, the anti-miracle of fertilization. It's unbelievable. She says she's going to get up, get dressed, show up, and never give up. I mean, it's like a baby. It's like a baby. Like one of the most, the most amazing thing that a, a a person can create. Like men can't do it. Women are able to do this, and it's a you create a person, and it's just. I mean, I, we're obviously we're joking a little bit, but I mean, it's just. Well, sadly, the part is that she so said bad. that her family's going to be ashamed of her. So, but shame on them for you know creating that environment to where. 
they're, they're ashamed about what other people think. I know. That's the that, but, you know, terrible. I just think they should. I would have, no matter what, after the first baby, her first baby trip, I would have just said, hey, girl, we love you. Here are some Trojans. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> just keep, keep with that. Do your anyway, all right, that's the damn news with Toby. Yeah. That is the damn news with Toby. And I ought to tell the truth here. Oh, my I gosh. I don't care if it's Christians or not. Look who it is. Oh. Hey, Dickie, how are oh you doing, Lord, man? Dickie. You just bust in here. Hey, oh, that's right. Hey, Dickie's been listening to the podcast, and he said he really wants to name the BC club names. But what I told you is sometimes people can't understand you, and I'm going to have to help you with some of these. So uh, I'll guarantee you Dickie will do better than <laughs> you enunciate All right, and say so more go ahead, Dickie. Okay. okay, everyone knows what that was. <laughs> No, it was Aunt no Andy Grindstaff. I think I'm gonna have to repeat them all. Oh God, Bob Mustachich. That's Bob Mustachich. Bob Muscavich. <laughs> Muscavich. Okay, I want to. Drop. That's Carly Cherry Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it first. Carly Crump. All right, Toby. David Hamilton. David Asshole. Angry man <laughs> is David and Nicole Hamilton. Oh, okay, <laughs> Eric Butternips. Eric Butternips. <laughs> Angry <It's>, man. <laughs> it, I'm reading this. It's actually Eric Butternubs Wimkin. <laughs> that's what it says. Oh, that's the greatest name ever. <laughs> it's got to be Eric a nickname. Butternubs. Butternubs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's two different <laughs> words. He's got two middle names. Dickie, I always said Butternips. <laughs> Dickie. <laughs> but- Daryl Thuggery. Gerald Gregory. Hurry up. Gordon Billiot. Jessica Palacio. Jessica Pistachio. Belasquio. Okay. Yoda Hutchins. Yoda. Jonah. Yoda Hodgkins. Yoda. Jonah Hutchins. Hutchins. Yeah. Jonathan Gonzalez. Hey, what the <laughs> Dicky, I'm just Chill trying out, to hang dude. out with this dude. You hadn't been Die here in a while. Die, we have no dying idea in the what water. you're saying, Dicky. That name was dying in the water. Hey, Toby, shut the <laughs> Come on, because Dicky, Joey's gonna ask. Dicky, I just want you to know, Joey's gonna ask that you we, we you got are censored. To censor this stuff, man. We can't just Lane Castleberry. That's what? Lane Castleberry. You want to do the rest, Toby? There's three more. Mercedes Anderson. Mercedes Anderson. Yep. I'm Nick Pilch. Nick Pilch. Our yeah. good friend Nick Pilch. Yeah, I'll say the pitch. Yep. And Ryan Steiner. <laughs> Wino Straggler? Ryan Steiner. Get oh, okay. the hell out of here, Dickie, with that. Man. All right. Well, hey, thanks, guys. Hey, hey, we are glad that Thank you're here. You. Hopefully, we won't see you again for months and months yeah. and months. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Well, thank you to those BC Club folks and everybody supporting us that way. You can join the yeah. BC Club and support this podcast as listener supported. Badchristian.com forward slash contribute. <laughs> <laughs>